Detroit Tiger fans, are you ready for the most exhilarating event of the summer? Get ready for the 6th Annual Motor City Metrics MLB Draft Show. Hosted by your very own Chris Brown and Rogelio Castillo, we're exploring one of the deepest MLB drafts in recent memory. Who will rise for the pack? Will the Detroit Tigers secure an impact bat with their pick? This is the first draft in the Scott Harris era, and you don't want to miss it. Be part of the excitement witness the future of baseball unfold on the Motor City Metrics MLB Draft Show. Join us Sunday, July 9th on the Motor City Metrics YouTube channel and the Tiger Miley Report YouTube channel for the first round of coverage. How is it going, everybody? Welcome back to the Motor City Metrics podcast. We see you guys are already in the chat, voicing your frustrations. I'm sure we're going to see a lot of that as the night goes on. We've got me and Youper. It's It feels like it's been a while since we've hopped on the podcast, but it really hasn't. It's been... It's been a week, but yes, if you guys have any questions, comments, concerns, you want to vent your frustrations, you have any suggestions, please let us know. And if you guys want to leave any super chats, ask any questions for the show, go ahead. But yes, we're going to get into it. The month of June has been very, very rough. And that's what we want to start with, kind of just our overall takeaways from the three-game set against the White Sox and then the three-game set against the Phillies. The Detroit Tigers have now lost six in a row. They're still only three and a half games out of first place, though. But, Yuper, what is there to say after these six games? There's just what, what could you even take away from this? It, it shows what happens when you have a, a lineup that has, you know, for lack of a nice way to put it, a lot of 4A guys in the lineup. And you take out a premium bat like Riley Green, who was on you know, the month of May, was on base at a, uh, over a 400 clip. When you take that out of the lineup and put in basically nothing, an offense that really withers on the vine like this and is about as punchless a team as we've seen, and we've seen plenty of punchless teams, but this one is right up there with any bad offense they put on the field in the last decade. Yeah, it was definitely rough. I saw some stats on screen where they were like, I think it was like one for 48 with runners in scoring position or something. (laughs) Just really, really rough, and obviously the injuries are hurting the Tigers right now, but there has to be something to be said for the lack of depth that they really have, having to bring in a guy like Jake Marisnik, bringing up a guy like Tyler Nevin. I mean, like you said, just a bunch of 4A guys. It's really, really disappointing to see, and to me what's most deflating is they can still win this division, and it's sad to say that because – before the six-game losing streak, they were two games out of first place. Now they're only three and a half games out of first place. Minnesota has really struggled as well, and now is under 500. And we know, obviously, even if the Tigers win this division, is it gonna? Are they gonna go on a playoff run? Probably not. But it's just frustrating to see that there's an opportunity here, and they're, they're it's been wasted. And we saw this coming in the month of June, but I don't think anyone saw the offensive struggles to this magnitude. I think it's to the point now where, yes, they're in the running for the division, but I think they've actually now slid back to fourth place. So they're not in second place anymore. I think we can really stop about that. I mean, obviously, you talk about what you want to talk about. That's cool. But for me, every run right now that they score is like they have to wage a pitch battle to, 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 to play one measly run. Okay? They do a lot of work to get that one run. Tonight, they scratched across two at the end. So they're just at a point right now where it's not a competitive baseball team until they can get a couple guys back. I even think they missed Matt Veerling more than people thought they would. He was at least at one point hitting 260. 
which was better than half the guys in the lineup right now, in addition to Riley Green. So the, the shame of it is they've actually pitched fairly well. They're keeping the Tigers in games. They haven't been blown out nine to one in many of these games. They're losing like tonight. That was a 3-2 heartbreaker until Alex Lang had a, had a rough go. They pitched extremely well tonight against a team with some fairly good hitters. I don't know. It really boils down to the run scoring. They're finding a way to prevent runs. Defensively, Javi Baez is a little up and down, but the rest of the team is catching the ball for, for the most part. So whatever they can do short of the guys coming back from injury to start scoring more runs, it's so hard to make a move that is going to really effectively bolster their run scoring right now. It's hard to see what that'll be. Hey, oh, Rod. What's up, Rod? I saw the, you know, what's funny is, so I'm getting into the car. We, we won. The reason why I'm late is because I had soft, softball. We won in the playoffs. Nice. I went to two for three, drove in, I think three runs. You have the clutch team. I have the clutch team. And we beat a team. We were the lower seeded team. So it was an upset. And then I get in the car in the ninth inning. I'm like, oh, wow, okay. Alex Lang's in the game. The Packers somehow came back because I was getting the updates. And I was watching along. And then Cody Clemens did his thing. And as soon as Cody came up, as soon as he came up to the plate, and look, there's nothing, especially I got some news today to, I'm not going to say exactly where I got it from or what have you. And uh, it's, yeah. Oh, by the way, blood right. Thank you, sir. Exquisite. <laughs> Old BK, two for three in softball. Raj, please report to Comerica ASAP. By the way, Cody, because Cody is on my team too. He had a pretty good game too. Yeah, it was a good defensive game. But uh, man, it's, the thing is, is that when something new, like, in terms of even prospect wise, I was thinking about, I'm writing an article about next guys that could bring up. Cole Keith comes to mind. And then AJ Hinch has those comments this week. There's just, there's a lot to dissect this week about what happened. We'll get to that shortly. But it was weird to see, like, just, I don't know. It, it's, it's frustrating because this is a game that they, they could have won tonight. And, but they only, now Chris, is, Chris tweeted out, they're only three and a half back. That's a joke, man. Like, <laughs> they are, they really could put into operation. What the Braves did a couple of years ago when they lost some guys in their outfield and they went out and got Adam Duvall and Jorge Soler and kind of mid-level vets and they all got hot at once and they carried that team. That's something Detroit could think about trying, but I just don't know if that's in the cards. And meanwhile, you have the Reds this week who bring up the, the best prospect in all of baseball in LAB Cruz. He goes out and immediately, immediately makes an impact. Immediately makes him. In the earlier in the year, they had Matt McLean, who they called up, and he's been effective. They have had a they have a one two punch. And they still have more. They still have a they have another they have another they have another short or third baseman shortstop prospect down in their yeah. system. They're lo- it's embarrassing. It's embarrassing. And they got how oh, they got their the next guys that got up. Trade from Luis Castillo. The I'm trying to draw like on the third baseman's name right now, but no, they got Marte. Marte. Yes. Marte. They got that Christian Encarnacion strand. I think he's hitting 350 with 15 homers at AAA. <laughs> they, they have an embarrassment of riches. They have some impact talent. And you can see, you know, you just look at Ellie De La Cruz. 
you watch him for five minutes, man, game-changing talent there. And you know what? The one thing about Eli De La Cruz is just the amount of that, that ball he hit. That home run was like 450 feet up, 116 miles an hour. Mm-hmm. But hit the speed. I don't know if you guys saw the, the triple speed he had. Yeah. That's ridiculous. Yeah. And, and, and you know what? And Joseph said it in the YouTube chat. He's absolutely right. Marte is not even up yet. The Reds are crazy without Marte up. And Marte has been adjusting the double A pretty well, too. Yeah. So well, I, had him, I had him in my top spear, 10. Pretty good. He's been playing well. Another young guy. It'd be exciting to be a Reds fan, even if they end up with a losing record this year. They have a lot of reasons to watch baseball games. <laughs> that ball had a family, as Walter said. No, but yeah. the so the Tigers. I'm sorry, I I totally interrupted the flow. Where were you guys going next? I'm sorry. We were just doing our takeaways from the the month of June. But yeah, in terms of the Reds, I, I saw a tweet from Chris Castellelli who said he wishes the Tigers had an LA De La Cruz, and it's like the Tigers. They were never active in, in the international market. We've seen all these international free agents. Some of the best players in baseball have been international free agents. The Tigers have just never really dipped into that. And that's why we haven't had a player like that. Well, go ahead. Go ahead, Raj. No, go ahead. Go ahead. But I think part of it's luck. Part of it is a lack of effort or lack of commitment to spend the major money. But then even then they spent two million bucks on Campos. I think I read where Ellie De La Cruz signed for like 70 grand. He, he wasn't really known or a, ma- a massive prospect, but he flourished into something unbelievable. So there's a little bit of foresight for the Reds there, but there's also probably a healthy dose of luck. And at some point, you got to hope the Tigers can run into that. And maybe the Scott Harris regime is putting more emphasis on Latin America. We don't know. We can hope. Yeah, because... Somebody mentioned some. Somebody had a question on Twitter, and it was I think it was Robert James talked about uh, did Alabila have any hits as far as because Jack O'Loughlin is in AAA right now. He pitched. He had the one of the best starts for the Mudheads this year. Mm-hmm. This is a guy who has not pitched above high A, and that was his second start. It looked pretty good. And Winsteel Perez right now is currently the highest ranked Alabila prospect they have. Christian Santana has regressed, and I have no idea why. I have literally no idea. No one knows. No one knows why. Compost can, can hit, struggles in the outfield a little bit. There were a couple of plays last week that were just like puzzling. <laughs> but as far as somebody comes up, as John Stewart pointed out, no, pointed out Angel de Jesus. Oh, okay, that doesn't count. <laughs> it's it's bad. And you know why? It's that's the problem. That's the this is the whole thing that's frustrating about the season is you're seeing some of the immediate results for the Reds. You're seeing the immediate results for even the Dodgers can still do do no wrong. But the Padres' top five prospects are all under the age of 21. Diamondbacks, Diamondbacks, the Diamondbacks. You're going to see them this weekend, and the Tigers cannot. The news I was talking about too is that. We're not going to see Cole Keefe anytime soon. So mm-hmm. when or where he's going to, when he's going to come up at this point, I, we thought hey, we had a pretty good idea. He was going to be in Toledo at some point, but it may not happen now. So we'll see what's going to happen. Yeah. It's yeah. So I have a question for you guys. So I look at the big picture of things. Do you think we're overreacting a little bit to this rough stretch of baseball? Cause at the end of the day, the Tigers are, I'd say they've met all our expectations. Maybe they've exceeded them a little bit. Are they still a 70-win ball club? 
are we overreacting a little bit? Obviously, this has been a rough stretch. The White Sox, they've been playing good baseball. The Phillies had World Series ex- expectations. The Tigers pitching still is hung in there. Do you think this is just a rough stretch? Obviously, it's probably going to be a rough month of June, but is this a little bit of an overreaction? Well, no. go, ahead. You, go ahead, Uber. I think this. I think we, I think we overreacted to, to the month of May. The Tigers had a really nice month of May, won a lot of close games. People got a little frisky about where they're going. And that was probably a little, uh, we probably bought into that a little too much. Now they're really showing their warts. They're showing the, the organizational lack of depth. They have no answers right now for what ails them. So I think we knew that this team was capable of some bad stretches of baseball this year. I th- certainly thought so. But this is even a little uglier than I would have anticipated. I, I don't think fans have. Sometimes the first couple games, like, all right, maybe something, something will give in, but nothing. You have no choice, but you have to put Nathan clean up. And, and then I just, when people keep saying call up, uh, call up Malloy, did anybody not realize he, he batted barely, he batted, he batted over just, just over 200. Yeah, two, two. yeah, 202. He struck out, team started figuring him out. And as far as other solutions down there, there's really not much. Honestly, if I'm being, as much as we talk about Cole Keith and he updated, he went up from 99 or sorry, 93 to 30th. On the new Baseball America top three prospect and top one hundred prospect list, that is huge. And rightfully, but you don't have anybody else that's up there. And your answers in Double A for pitching are getting shelled by the last place buoy effing both Bay Sox tonight. I have no. Yuri Yuri just came in having a great series against Richmond, four quality starts, looking fantastic, and somehow they're getting blown up by buoy. What the hell? Honestly, I'm not, I don't blame fans for being angry. I don't. Because at this point, it's ju- today's June 8th. It's June 8th today. And you had to sit through a bad ball game today on a day off. Because, of course, this sky looking all Blade Runner, which how many Blade Runner comps I heard on Twitter. <laughs> it's, it's just, I didn't, as Walter said here, I didn't, it was a hard drop off as soon as Riley Green got hurt. That surprises him. He figured they'd drop off, but now I agree. I didn't, I completely agree with Walter. I did not expect this. Yeah. We're getting, we're getting shades of 2022. No power. And no on base. Nobody on base. Nobody on base. Okay. And that's been the biggest thing. When we take Riley Green and he goes, OPB over 400 in May, he's always on base. So a lot of the next couple of hitters are always based on a pitcher that's in the stretch instead of the windup. A little more stress on the pitcher. You take that one production out of the lineup and you have nobody else that can come close to duplicate. You can see what that can, what that does. It just, just basically shot an arrow through their heart. Yeah. So if we're not overreacting, how does this kind of affect your thoughts on Scott Harris and the off season he had? Cause I know you per, you were upset with them not spending money and I can see that not having the veterans in place. And now we've seen they're putting guys in positions that they shouldn't be in. But just your overall thoughts on Scott Harris and the moves that he made. Has that changed at all? I don't, I don't see any reason to be too down on Scott Harris. We have to see how the whole regime comes together and what they do with their draft, what they do international on the international market. See what he does at this upcoming trade deadline, how creative he can get, how successful that is. There's a long way to go before there's any kind of verdict on Scott Harris. I did not like the last offseason, but again, 
I always look one step above. That's on the ownership. The ownership allowed that course to be taken. Okay. Ownership can step in and say, no, we had the worst offense in baseball last year. You're not going to bring in anybody? Obviously, Chris Ellis did not make that statement. Am I a little, so I, you have to wonder then, could Scott Harris, did he have the freedom to, to spend money? I don't know. It's called, it's called into question. So it starts at the top. It always does. It has to. That's his team. So we'll see what Scott Harris can do with the draft and, and trade deadline and, and see where we go. But yeah, it's, it's in the middle of a 16 losing streak where they can't score runs. They're pathetic. It's hard to be too up about anybody. Yeah, and the thing is, is that Tony Paul was on Justin Spiro's show, Spiro Avenue, and said that the Tigers were going to spend money this offseason. The damn better, the better damn well, because they have no choice. They really don't have a choice right now. They have to spend money because out of, like, forget the money coming off the books. We all know that. We all know about the contracts coming out off the books, what have you. It's imperative because if it's, for example, right now they're trying things in double A. They got Winsfield Perez playing center field. They have Gage Workman in right field. Mm-hmm. Trey Cruz is progressing well. But as far as the media answers go, I don't know. And look at the Cardinals. The Cardinals are back in the thick of things. You have the Brewers. You have the Pirates. Who knows who's going to be asking for Raul Rodriguez. That injury does hurt them. But mm-hmm. I'm going to give Scott Harris somewhat of a pass only because he's evaluating what he has. And he and he's very clean house. Look, the amount of, a lot of the guys that were so-called prospects or, excuse me, that were in the organization high up are, they're dropping like flies. Today, they, they dropped Palacios and Chase Fry. They're not afraid to go, ah, it's not working. Gone. Mm-hmm. And whereas before, it was cont- just like the stagnant to it. So, again, I know I'm talking about a couple of tri- minor league players that are insignificant in the spam theme things, but still. Well, you know- it's interesting to hear that the people say, oh, they're going to spend this, this year, okay? A couple things there. A, we don't know that. Proof's in the pudding. Let's see them do it. If they do it, and like the moves, I'll say so. But right now, they haven't done it. B, this year's free agent market doesn't look all that fantastic. But there's always somebody out there who's good. You can find players. So then it becomes, are they going to make some trades and take on some contracts? I suppose that's another possibility out there. But I'll say it again. There's no excuse it wasn't done this year. The division, as we're talked about ad nauseum, is there for the taking. For a mediocre team could, to, could win the division. If they had done anything this winter to improve their offense, we'd be talking about a little bit of a different situation right now. But if they're using the excuse of Miguel Cabrera's dead contract as any kind of reason not to spend money, that was flat out a lie. Okay, it's just there's not it's not an excuse. So, yeah, the next year is a lot of a lot of stuff needs to go down and a lot of things need to change. Yeah, and I that kind of sparked a question for me because we did have a question about Scott Harris and him not talking to the media, and I think some of the frustration is too. Like for example, with the Pistons, we know they're in a rebuild. We know we're being patient, but we know they have a a seemingly a bright future. With the Tigers. We don't really know where they stand. We don't really know if they're trying to compete. We don't really have a timeline for them anymore. So they haven't really made it clear what they're trying to do or where they're trying to go, like when they're trying to compete. If they're in the dark right now as fans, and like we just don't know what the timeline of this team realistically is. 
and that that's a big problem. Obviously, is a source of frustration. Not only that, a source for frustration, people covering the team too. And uh, yeah, it, it's it's a point where it's the the narrative right now is especially some of the stuff some of the stuff I'm getting and the information and everything. It's like this. There's one change. There's one thought, and all of a sudden they change it back. But uh, yeah. Oh, so Chris is joining us here. Chris. Hello. Hello. Can you see me? Hear me? Yes. You got me? Oh. Are you there, Chris? You went mute. We can see you now. I hear you. We can see you now. I hear you. Peter? Peter, isn't it? You look great. You look great. (laughs) All right. Still can't hear you. Oh, all right. I guess while well, Chris gets that free out, do you have anything else to add on the start of June? I think today, well, let's just talk about the tonight's game a little bit if we can. Reese Olsen, I'll tell you, as someone who saw his last poor outing at Toledo, he does look a lot better than I would have ever anticipated. It's, it's only, what, nine innings or ten innings he's pitched. So he has a long way to go. But his off-speed stuff looked pretty, pretty darn competitive tonight. And he was able to get his high fastball. It wasn't getting crushed. So that was fun. And then, of course, Alex Lang spent a lot of time the last couple of weeks talking about him. I think we're just seeing more and more evidence that if he has to pitch in the zone, he's very vulnerable. If they're not going to chase his stuff that's out of the strike zone, it, it can be a long night for him. And that's what it was tonight. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I don't really want to get into the Alex Lang trade stuff, but. That's where I wanted to go with it is I feel like the conversation we've had with the lack of depth and the lack of impact prospects. I think you look at a guy like Lange and Foley, especially with the Eduardo Rodriguez injury, the Tigers got to get some talent in here. And to me, those are the, the two guys I'm looking at that probably give the Tigers the best chance of bringing in some impact young players. Lange's got to start pitching better than he has for the last four outings. I don't think he's looked very good. So hopefully he can get back on a roll here and, and prop up his trade value if indeed there is any. Yes. So while Chris is working on the mic, we're going we're gonna to go to our next segment here shortly. But no, the, one of the things that I wanted to, before we get into our inside numbers, is we have some people with some of the comments. I just want to read, you know, the read some comments in here, the some how people are dealing with the stress of the losing. Samuel says, I'm smoking some green and spinning Illumatic. Nice on vinyl right now. Best way to how they'll do this playing right now. Let's see here. Todd Todd 63, who's always always got some great one-liners, is just venting tonight. And uh, Deadly Ninja Bees. Holy, sh- holy crap. That's the first time I think Ninja Deadly Ninja Bees has entered the conversation here. And uh it's basically teasing everything in Jacob 24, yes. You guys should invite Chris Illich on here for an interview. Trust me. I'd love to. I, I think out of all the podcasts, I think we're the most, I believe we're the most fairest and down the middle. I don't think we've tried to ask him with a gotcha question or anything like that. But again, and Tyler is enjoying a loss on a cold one. So there you go. And yeah, this is my cold one after softball victory. There you go. Because I knew... I knew full well with the way today was going to go. It's going to be a long podcast because I knew people were going to be upset versus drinking beer or on your point. Uh, the girl, Chris, 
Schweitzer. Chris, can you hear me? Chris, are you there? I am. How do you, how do I sound? Oh, loud and clear. Yeah. All right. Sorry. I, I had to switch from my laptop to my other laptop. Okay. I'm not logged in though, so I can't, I can't see oh, the comments. All right. Okay. Back in business. Everybody's happy about a, a strong run of Tigers baseball. All right. Just, just let us have it, Chris. What do you think? <laughs> yeah. What's your takeaways? My main takeaway, I think, is that the Tigers aren't trying to win. I think we've thought this a lot this year. I think the the lack of urgency we've seen from the front office. I sound like the dude on Saw. <laughs> yeah, you sound I a lot of compliments on hoodie. Go ahead, Chris. Do I? <laughs> no, I, I think like we talked about this before. I think the Tigers had projections of where they'd be this year. I think they were probably outdoing their own projections. When you look at it, there's still like the third worst run differential of baseball. By all accounts, they should have, you know, one of the, the bottom records. So I, I just think essentially Scott Harris is treating this as a tank year almost, right? They can get one more top 10 pick before the new rules don't allow them to get it three years in a row. So they're just going to tank. So that's why you hate to talk about Tyler Nevin when he actually came through today. But that's why Tyler Nevin's playing. That's why Ibanez is playing. That's why Scope's still on the team. That's the only thing I can think of. Uh, otherwise, they're just incompetent, and I, I'd like to think that they're not in the front office. But uh, yeah, when, when you've got an offense like this for this long, and you're not trying everything possible, then I don't know what to do. So that's my my takeaways. So you got to learn how to spell Caglione for the next draft. Jock Caglione. Yeah, next year's draft is, well, we'll talk about that after this year's draft, but uh, yeah, it's, it sucks. It sucks for everybody to think that way, but I don't know. It feels a little bit like, like the Pistons, right? Where they're just like, ah, oh, we're just going to keep sucking and try to get lottery picks. I don't, that's the only thing I can think of. They, the pitching has been solid. I heard you talk about Reese Olsen. Reese Olsen has been a huge surprise to me. These first two starts and a very pleasant surprise. And, and the, most of the pitching has been fine. I, I know your people are upset with Alex Lang right now. You foreshadowed this with, with him not throwing enough strikes. And still, he was the May reliever of the month, the biggest player in the Erica League, right? Yeah. He's got good stuff. He's, he's, he's had, we've seen this from him before in stretches in, in, over the past two years. He'll be fine, I think. He's going to get out of this. But it just, yeah, it was just a really poorly timed meltdown from Lang, right? Boy, the, the Tigers had no business being in this game for the most part, with the way Zach Wheeler was pitching and how limp and lifeless their offense looked. And then they suddenly snuck ahead. And then just to have it pulled out from under you again is, is really disheartening. But I don't know. That's why they, luckily they play again tomorrow. And they host the Diamondbacks for three. So that's going to be another interesting challenge. There's somebody already blown off fireworks by our house. I'm looking forward to well, the I mean, series just to see the Diamondbacks. I am looking, yeah, because it was a team that we talked about here on the pod for about being a surprise. So let's go with the inside numbers. All right. So I'll go with, I'll go with John. What is your inside number for this week? So I've, at first I wanted to talk about the pitching, but since we've already gotten into that, the weird inside number, but that is 45. And that's the number of comments I had. When I tweeted about the Tigers drafting Paul Skeens, and I want to get your guys' thoughts on that because I think this is going to be a fun discussion. Me and Youper talked about this on the last pod. Youper, I think you called him. He could be the next Garrett Cole. 
I think that's the guy you use. But I said he could be the next ace for the next decade. I don't know. What are your guys' thoughts on this? I think this is a fun topic that got some people a little upset. And I think it, with draft coming up, I think this is a good time to talk about Paul Skeens because I think he's going to be an interesting talking point. So what you're saying basically is you're getting a lot of commentary of you do not draft a yes. pitcher. Right? That's what no, you're hearing? A lot of people were very... I got some pretty rude comments. This at least. Let's say emphatic. They were emphatic. When I, when I saw that, I literally was like this. Yeah. <laughs> humorous. Quite humorous. Yeah. Droll. Very droll. Yeah. Whimsical. Yeah. 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 Quite jocular. Yeah. Yes. Merciful. Okay. That's enough frivolity. I like the fact that all four of us have our own different opinions, which is what makes the podcast go. Because if we all agreed, then it would be a boring podcast. That being said... I, and I was listening actually with Chris yesterday on the way to West Michigan, the, the MLB, no, it was the Baseball America podcast talking about him and, and some of the stuff and all, and you see the pipeline too. They all are big highly of them. I don't care because quite frankly, the Tigers have been able to develop pitching at any round, especially every round, but they've been able to develop pitching to a certain extent to make themselves competitive. That being said, they need bats. If this is not, this is a draft that is so offensively deep, you can get pitching later. You don't need, you don't need schemes. You don't need them. Skeet, skeet, whatever. You don't, it doesn't matter. You don't need that. What you need, yeah, schemes. I did say his name wrong. I don't, again, we don't need a pitcher, okay? Take a, take a shot because I said somebody's name wrong because that was going to happen though. I understand. I understand why people would want this guy. Why would they want him? But uh, I just look, look at the offensive talent in the top ten alone. Even if they get Kyle Heal, the catcher out of Virginia. Honestly, at this point, any bat that can be impactful within a year or two. I'm not talking the three or four year route. Within a year or two. I'm of two minds here. I don't know. Do I really sound like a robot again? Is that what's going on here? What if I do this? I turn my head. Well, you're fine. You're fine. Hey, you're All right, sorry. So I, 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 not to pull a chef here, but it makes me think back to the Lions from when, when John was a, a little bitty toddler and they drafted wide receivers three years in a row. It was Charles Rogers, Roy Williams, and then big Mike Williams, wasn't it? I think correctly. And Rogers was a bust. Roy Williams was solid and Mike Williams was a huge bust. And then they had one year off. I don't know. Was that when they took Stafford? I don't remember who they took in between. But then they had the top pick again. And it was, there it was Calvin Johnson staring them right in the face. And people were like, you can't, you can't take a wide receiver again. And they're like, if he's the, if he's the right player, you can. And I think that's the way that Tigers fans feel like under reveal. It was so much pitching they were drafting and, and none of it really worked out. But Skeens does seem like a different animal. As you said, he's probably the best pitcher in the draft since Garrett Cole. Some people say since Strasburg, who was the greatest draft prospect ever, basically. At the same time, yeah, I'm not crazy about drafting pitching high up in general because you just have to look back at the last couple of years. And it's not, people always talk about the risks of high school pitching, but it's just basically the same with college pitching the last few years. Look at the, the, the top names from the last couple of drafts. Max Meyer went third overall in 2020. He's out, barely pitched. Asa Lacey has been a disaster. Emerson Hancock hasn't reached the majors yet. You go to, to last year, who was the, the pitching in the early rounds last year, that, or, or 2021, I'm sorry. You've got, let's see, Sam Bachman made the majors. He was not, he's not been looking good. 
Will Bednar, Michael McGreevy, Gunnar Hoglund, Jordan Wicks. Gavin Williams has been good, but that's the guy that, that the, the Guardians got the 23rd overall pick. It just, it does feel like you can get pitching whenever. Case in point, look at, this isn't, so I just say that, because Bobby Moore was drafted the 29th pick by the Dodgers in 2020. Mm-hmm. That wasn't like top five pick. That wasn't a top 10 pick. We got him later in the first round. You got to go for more of those sure things like the first baseman from Arizona State. It, remember? Yeah, you remember that there has never been a first baseman drafted on first overall either, right? Because of that risk, right? That's, that's right. why they draft him as a third baseman. Here's what I think. I, I believe that the Tigers will take a, batter, a hitter. Okay, I really believe that. However, my thinking is you cannot live in the past. You have to have conviction about what you're doing in the present. Yes. Do it over again. There's no way you take Jackson Job. Okay? Do it over again. Probably don't take Casey Mize, but Paul Skeens is doing some things that I talked about Strasburg on last week's show too. I was a huge fan of Strasburg. I watched as much. You couldn't. It was harder back then to see it. I worked my ass off to see every Saturday the highlights of what he was doing. It was amazing. Skeens is basically doing that, except he's doing it in the best conference in baseball. The guy's a horse. He's he's a large guy. He's never had the arm issue. In the past, the Mize did. If they end up, if if somehow Lankford and Cruz go one two, and the Tigers are sitting there at three, and their choices are the two high school guys or Paul Skeens, if they elect to go with Paul Skeens, I'm not going to argue much, even though I probably would like Walker Jenkins because that swing looks gorgeous. Yeah, that's my thing too. I'm a really big Wyatt Lankford fan, but. If him and Dylan Cruz go one and two and Paul Skeens is sitting there at three. I mean, Youper, we talked about this in terms of pitching. We don't really have, the Tigers don't have that true ace, that true guy that can sit at the top of the rotation. Maybe my school or Manning could be that. Maybe Jackson Joe could be that. But I think Paul Skeens, like I said, you can't live in the past. And what Chris just said, if they're tanking again this year and they're going to have another top draft pick, if, if Wyatt Layford and Dylan Cruz are their two guys and neither of them are available, I wouldn't be mad with them taking Paul Skeens. Obviously, you're going to have to put trust in Scott Harris and this this front office to be able to identify. Raj sent me a video of Pedro Martinez identifying Casey Mize before he got Tommy John. He was basically was able to predict that Casey Mize was going to have to get Tommy John because of the way he threw the ball. You hope that this Tigers front office is able to identify that and look at Skeens and to be able to identify this is a guy we think that's going to be able to stay healthy or he's not. I think that's just how much faith you have in this front office. But the thing is, for me, I'll, I'll stick by this. I'm not going to, I don't, I'm not going to change my opinion about this because I, I feel that they can get, if they, if Max Clark or, I mean, if they're talking to the other, the other, oh, I'm drawing a blank on the guy's name also. Jenkins. Walker Jenkins. Jenkins. If Jenkins or Clark can be up in the majors in a year or two, and give you some sort of relevance. Look, the reason why is simply this. You, Ty Matt had a bad start tonight, that being said. But the Tigers can get pitching and be, and be service, get serviceable pitching. They, they may able, they're able to take Jason Foley, who I believe was an undrafted free agent, and made him an elite reliever. That's all I'm saying. The Tigers can do that now. They weren't able to do that before. If this was drafts of of glorious days past, then yes, absolutely. But I feel like they have a system in place that's allowing them to develop pitching. So I, I just don't, 
this is it's too it's too much not even risk. I mean take the risk side factor for a second. You have some really good offensive talent here and draft you don't see that. All right, Uber, what is your inside the number? My inside the number is eight twenty-five, or excuse me, nine twenty-five, my bad, and eleven. Mets catcher, Francisco Alvarez. 925 OPS right now against right-handed pitching for a right-hand batter. Pretty solid debut he's making. He's, he's, he's homered again tonight. That's up to 11 now. It really looks like the, the Mets have struck gold here. i still a little mystified that Buck Showalter bats him ninth for some reason, but I would imagine that is going to change as he continues to hit. But it's been like a year with a lot of fun rookies. He's definitely climbing the list. Of a guy who is worth watching. All right, Chris, what about you? Mine goes back to pitching here. It's 9.3 and 7.8 are the numbers there. Those are the pitch values this season of the fastballs of Michael Lorenzen and Eduardo Rodriguez. Uh, Lorenzen's is the fifth highest in baseball, and Rodriguez is, is the sixth. They are behind only Joe Ryan, Zach Gallen, and Garrett Cole, and Kevin Gossman. And ahead of guys like Spencer Strider and Zach Wheeler, and Shohei Otani. And again, I don't know if we've talked about pitch values before, but they don't necessarily tell you how good a pitch is. It is it's just how well it's performed this year, how much better it has been than expected. And it's pretty cool to have two guys. And of course, Erod is out right now, but you got two guys there in the top 10 with fastballs. And that's pretty important, I think. And it's the, the sort of the thing we talked about with Reese Olsen is, is it's, and with Alex Lang for that matter, those guys struggle to get outs and, and, swings and misses with their fastballs. But if you could do that, you could be a pretty darn good pitcher no matter what. So it's nice to have those two guys up top, although who knows how much longer they'll be on the team. So, yeah, that's my numbers. Yeah, the Harris Fulmer versus Mark Rush Twitter debate continues. So my my inside number is 0.9, or excuse me, that's not the number I was looking for. Where am I looking at? Oh, sorry, bad. I was looking at the, I was looking at, when you were talking about results and I was looking at some of his stats, just kind of, oh, it's pretty uh, pretty good. Pretty good there. There he goes. Okay. Sorry. Okay. So my number this week, and this is, it's the reason why I wanted to make this kind of my number was because the White Sox bullpen has been pretty bad, but my number is 20.13. And that is the combined innings without long earned run from Kendall Graveman and Kenyon Middleton. And that if the, if the White Sox are going to trade really, if you talk about the Tigers trading relievers, the reason why I mentioned the White Sox is in the same division and they're going to probably try to shed salary too. So it's not a foregone conclusion that fully, if they're going to decide to trade fully laying, they also got to worry about these two as well. If they continue to pitch this way. Honestly, it, I think that's where I think if, if this continues for the White Sox, they the White Sox are also thin. Their farm system's thin at the moment, too. And I was watching the White Sox today against the Yankees. Their announcers are talking like they feel they can compete and win the division. They, they, they're happy with, they're like 21 and 14 since the last day of April. I think they really believe they got a shot to climb back into it and win the division. Only three games out. Yeah, they're, they're at it. Tigers are back in fourth place now. It is. It's a very winnable division for even the Tigers if they suddenly figure out how to score five runs a game. Yeah, I don't know. The, the White Sox do have a lot of holes. It's crazy. We actually got somebody talk about this, what they think of this division. Dead! Dead! That's just the garbage again! Chris Russo talked about the division. 
All right. Because it's, you know what? Look, if, if was that Steve Stone that said that, by the way? No, he's, I think, on vacation this week. They had Bonetti and Gordon Beckham was in there with him. Ah, former Tiger for a hot second, Gordon Beckham. Yes. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't know he was in broadcasting. He's like, Look, their, he's like their B-Squad guy. Before we move on to our next segment here, uh, the good, the bad, the ugly, and it was a what Samuel said in our YouTube chat, which was, I have a silver lining take on Erod and Green being injured, trying to help us all. We should be glad our best player and our best pitcher being injured at the same time is happening while we're not good. Can you imagine if JV and Miggy both got seriously hurt back in 2012? I realize that's not much of an optimistic note, but I'd rather it be happening now than four or five years than when we're trying to win a World Series. That's actually a pretty good spin on it, considering that the way this team has been playing lately. Yeah, they, w- they would have been stuck with Max Scherzer. <laughs> and Emil Sanchez and Rick Morthello and Doug Fister and Prince ah. yeah. Yeah. I don't they didn't have did they have they had they had V-Mart in 2012 I don't know if they had Prince yet but no I don't yeah, know they had, did they have V-Mart Prince, yeah Prince was 2012 V-Mart was, was it, okay. 2012 yeah alright there you go yeah yeah they would have been struggling it would have been a struggle for them obviously they, they still would have you know that would have cost them 8-10 wins obviously it would have been a huge deal to them but it's just frustrating to think back about all the talent on that team and but their their durability, Cabrera had insane durability until he signed the big contract. And I'm yep. not saying it's because of that, but in the year and the whole career leading up to that, you look at his record, 154 games was a minimum for him for a long time. He, he always answered the bell. And of course, Verlander was never on the disabled list for, well, I think until 2017 or no, I guess 20, one, one of those years he, he had the triceps issue. Yeah. Was it, but yeah. But for the most part, he was he answered the bell too. Yeah, looks like every team in the minor league system lost this season. They... <laughs> I think all well Toledo's playing right now in extra innings. Yeah, give Riley Green all the MVP awards. <laughs> <laughs> okay, all right, that's time for the good, the bad, and the ugly. All right, Huber, you go with your good and the bad over this week. Yeah, I'm going with pretty obvious stuff. I was going to say, or good, the bad, or the funky in your case sometimes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I just have good, bad, and ugly. I didn't get crazy. Good. I just think it's worth mentioning the Tiger pitching this week. We're in the throes of this offensive power outage with no real hope in sight that they're going to start putting a lot of runs on the board. I thought they got competitive starts pretty much every week, every day during the streak. They didn't get run off the mound and lose a game eight to one or anything like that. Matt Boyd was competitive. Michael Lorenzen pitched a wonderful game. Olsen came in after as the bulk guy tonight, did a great job. The bullpen game with Alexander leading the way and the rest of the guys who followed. The Tigers have done a nice job keeping runs off the board. It's a shame that they didn't score enough. There's no reason why they didn't go at least three and three in these last six games, but that's where they are right now. My bad. Alex Manoa of the Blue Jays gets sent down all the way to the complex leagues. Their course spinning at that, that's the place for him to be because they have all the equipment and they have the coaching there and he can do it in private. All of that makes sense. And it's just so interesting that with the massive struggle that he had here in the first two months, where he really, I thought, was, I watched several of his starts. He was starting to me to develop the Steve Blast syndrome. He was throwing the ball all over the place. I mean, he was missing catchers set up low and in. He's missing high and wide. He's everywhere. 
So it's going to be interesting to see what happens. And of course, the parallels with what happened to Roy Halladay early in his career. People debate what, this, what the reasoning behind that was. But anyway, we'll see if he can come back like Roy Halladay did. I don't think he's as good as Roy Halladay, but hopefully he has a comeback, you know, because this year was tough to watch. And then the ugly, let's just, why get creative? The Tigers offense is ugly, okay? I was watching those first few innings today. The pathetic part about it is, I would love to know what the average exit velocity was of their first 18 outs today. It had to be about 68. <laughs> Everything was soft hit, pop-up, soft hit, chopper, flare line drive. It was just, it was brutal. And it's become the norm. And, and as Raj alluded to earlier, and Chris, Chris, yeah, it's becoming accepted. You can just feel it from the front office on down that there's no outrage, no heads are rolling. If that does happen, I'll certainly acknowledge it and say I was wrong. But right now, they seem very, very comfortable with what's happening. And that's a shame. All right. It, it, yeah, the, the, the quiet, all quiet on the front is pretty, pretty disturbing for a lot of reasons. I mean, I, even if, again, not speaking of the media doesn't help your cause. Chris, what is your good, bad, the ugly this week? Sometimes I like to go a little bit off the board. We t tend to stay in the major leagues and just around the Tigers and things like that. But I wanted to talk about Jonathan Class A. I don't know if anybody has heard of him. He's an outfielder. He just turned 21. He's an outfielder in double A for the Mariners. He actually started the season. So last, last year in low A, he hit 267 with 13 home runs and 55 steals which was pretty impressive for a 19, 20-year-old in low A. This year, he started in high A and was promoted to double A about a month ago. He's playing right now. So through, the, through 50 and a half games this year, he's hitting 274 with 15 home runs and 39 steals. And so if he keeps up at this pace, he will finish the year with 39 home runs and 98 steals, which I just felt was noteworthy. Yeah. And, and What's wild about that, everybody's going crazy for Ellie De La Cruz. I don't know if you guys have talked about him already today at all, but it's just so funny because Class A is, is listed at 5'9", 150. Now, he's, that's, that's the fake, like, what they signed at when they were 16, but he's probably 5'10", 175 now. He's, he's, Ellie De La Cruz can eat him for a snack. But he turned into, like, this monster production guy this year, and it's just funny. And he's not on top 100 lists, I think, outside of fantasy because there's some questions about if he'll actually hit. But I just thought it was funny to see a guy who's putting up a damn near 40, 100 year. That's like some video game stuff. So I thought he was worth mentioning. My bad? Yeah, Jorge Mateo, who there have been a lot of things going well for the Orioles this year, but Mateo is not qualified, at least since, since the beginning of May. He's hitting 147 with an ISO of 0 .029, which produces the always hilarious negative seven weighted runs created plus since May 1st. Uh, it's 50 points worse than any other qualified hitter. Uh, and he's, he's been actually a positive on defense, but his offense has been so bad. He's got a war of negative 0 0.8. Yeah, that's bad. And this one, it's a little bit of a preview for, this is for the other podcasts we do, but it, it just felt right before I came on this, this wrapped up, but I'm going to talk about the Erie Seawolves this week because they came home first in the division, facing the last place team in the division, the Bowie Bay Sox. And it's just been a disaster to start the week. So. On Tuesday, they lost 9-4 to four with their best starter, Brett Hurd, on the mound. On Wednesday, they were down 7 nothing in the seventh, second inning. Pedro Montero gave up six earned runs on six hits in .2 innings. 
got two outs in the first inning before they pulled him. They battled all the way back, but they went 0 for 7 with runners in scoring position and lost 8 to 7. That was yesterday. Today, Ty Madden on the mound, Raj alluded to this. He also goes just 0.2 innings. He, he only gave up two earned runs, but he reached, I think he was at 29 pitches, and they don't want guys throwing more than 30 pitches in an inning. So he got yanked. The bullpen actually came through for the most part. They were down 2 nothing. They tied it at 2 in the first inning, then they were down 4-2. They came all the way back, took an 8-4 eight, eight lead. Then on held to Jesus, comes in in the eighth inning, gives up a two-run homer, comes back in the ninth inning, gives up a game-tying two-run homer, and they lose 10-8 in extra innings. So it's just been a brutal stretch for them. But I suppose the, the, the good news is if they fall out of the playoff race, maybe they'll start promoting those prospects. <laughs> yeah? Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> so. There we go. All right. John, what is your good and bad ugly this week? Yeah, so I wanted to go around the MLB. A team we never talked about yet on this podcast was the Marlins. They've won six in a row. They're 35 and 28. And I don't know how many people really believe in the Marlins. Being in that division, I still have some doubts about them. Offensively, Luis Arise, we haven't even talked about him. He's hitting over 400. That's a really fun story. I think a lot of Tigers fans are glad he's not in our division anymore. Jorge Soler has had a bounce-back season. You've got Jesus Sanchez. Jed Chisholm, he's still injured, so if they get him back, he can be big for that lineup. And even Brian De La Cruz has been a nice surprise for them as well. And we know they're really good young pitching with uh, Yuri Perez. They have Sandy Alcantara has an ERA over five right now, which is crazy. They got Jesus Lozardo. And Marlon's been a nice surprise now. Can they keep it up? I don't know how much I trust that, but they deserve to be talked about. I believe they're in second place right behind the Braves right now. Bad, I'm going to go with the Mariners. I don't really know what to make of the Mariners because I think a lot of people still expect them to be a playoff team. But if you look at the AL right now, you've got four really good teams in the AL East. You've got two really good teams in the West. And then you have the Angels who have been a surprise as well. So it's going to be tough for the Mariners to find their way into that playoff bracket unless a team like the Rangers or the Angels struggle down the stretch. So don't really know what to expect from the Mariners. I think they have really good pitching, but their offense, Jared Kelnick slowed down a little bit, and they have a lot of veterans right now that they brought in. Colton Wong, Eugenio Suarez, Teoscar Hernandez haven't really been performing that well for them. So I don't know, but I think for the Mariners, it's playoffs or bust, and they're sitting under 500 right now, fourth place in that division as well. And then my ugly... This is a team that doesn't get talked about enough. We've obviously had our fair share of talk about the Oakland Athletics and how bad they've been. But the the Kansas City Royals only have four more wins than the Oakland Athletics. Kansas City Royals are a joke. I'm sorry. They're, they've been rebuilding since, what, what was it, 2017, 2018. And the fact that they're 18 and 44 right now, I saw a tweet that was like, Zach Cranky was their leader in war in 2004, and I think he's their leader in war this season or something crazy like that. Like the Royals, I don't know. Bobby Witt Jr. hasn't been that good this year. Vinny Pascantino, he's a really nice young hitter, but they just don't have a lot going for them. And yeah, I think a lot of a lot of people like to crap on the Oakland A's. Kansas City Royals are right there with them for being one of the worst teams in baseball. No, that's a really good. If they, when you look at the Royals, Bobby Witt, he's sporting something like a 268 on base percentage. So even though he's hit 10 homers and he's stolen 20 bases, he, he is providing a lot of outs uh, to the opponents 
in their lineup. And Pascantino got off to a hot start, but he's actually slowed down. Their big thing is, and let's go back to our draft talk, don't draft pitching. They invested that entire 2018 draft in pitching, thinking that would be the, the bulwark of a, of a good major league staff. And so far, it has not come about. Almost all those guys have fizzled. I was really, really, I was, ad, I was adamant. I admittedly was, well, I'll take the L on this. I thought that that pitching that they drafted would pan out. And yeah, it hasn't. So it's amazing. But, they went like, they're like over five. I mean, over six well, of these guys. Yeah. Right. Well, I mean, it, yeah, just to piggyback on, on John's whole list there where it, it feels like all the, all the other teams that were doing like a full fledged rebuild are starting to see the fruits of that, except for the Tigers and the Royals. Like the Tigers, I guess you could say Scooble was looking good and Green was looking good. Pasquantino's looking good for the Royals, but it's just not enough. They didn't have enough depth. And we see with the Reds just had these army of guys. They have more guys coming. They have Marte coming. They have Connor Phillips coming. They have guys, Abbott was up there pitching. They've got a lot of talent coming. The Marlins had a, a deep farm system, and now they found some offense. Uh, the, the Diamondbacks, the Rangers, all these other teams that were really rebuilding seem to have done it properly. Now, the Rangers spent a bunch of money to kickstart that. But, yeah, it's it's frustrating to to have to double down on a rebuild. Yeah, and the Rangers, this is, you saw Jacob deGrom be out for the year, and he was pretty upset about the whole thing. And John Gray, I last night until against the Cardinals, pitched pretty good until that home run. We were watching that game on the way back. And... Texas is still having other people step up. They have another pitcher step up, which is something that I wouldn't ex- wouldn't expect from in the past. But they've been getting they've been getting help everywhere on the on the pitching side of things, which is good because they're they're running away with even Houston can win all they want, but Texas is continually just continually wow that's not a word. It's <laughs> Texas just keeps winning. That's what I just said. I think it's Texas and Tampa this weekend. Is it? That should be a pretty good shooting. Uh, are they this Saturday yeah. night baseball matchup? Or is it going to be Yankees insert team? Probably, I don't know. That's a good question. Let's see. I can't even remember the last time I watched Sunday Night Baseball. Oh, I didn't. I didn't realize that the Tigers Sunday game was live on Peacock at 11.35 a.m. Tigers get the Peacock game on Sunday. It'll be done by the time you get home from church. It's if you Peacock game. Yeah. Looks like, oh, no. <laughs> Raj, guess what the 7, 10, 10 p.m. game is? When? Red Sox and Yankees. Uh-huh. I knew it. I knew it. He just put the coin essentially. So they had baseball, Boston, New York, 800 times because that's what we do because everybody cares about Boston, New York. Brutal. Yeah, you know what? They they go where the eyeballs go. It's, it's, I guess. You can't blame them. That's where the advertising dollars are. It's just a yeah, super. Yeah. What matchups like Texas and, and Tampa or Houston and Tampa? Or was it Texas and Tampa? Sorry. I think Texas, Texas and Tampa. And Tampa yeah. They play at 140. Yep. No, no. We don't want the baseball. All we want the same old two teams in this rivalry that we keep propping up every single time. Let's let's replay the re, the Bucky Dent home run. Let's it's a, it's a classic matchup between Brian Bellow and Clark Schmidt. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. Your, your last plays Red Sox. Ladies and gentlemen, I don't care. Ooh, ooh, yeah, who wants to watch Shane McClanahan pitch in prime time? Like it's Martin oh. Perez, yeah. But then again, I know the the the, the easy bird, we'll look at the AL Central. It's terrible. Yeah, I know. But there's other teams in baseball that we can watch. Central should be contracted. We should be sentenced to Peacock every day. <laughs> should, <laughs> just, yeah. Shuttle to the 
Yeah. Yeah. 11 a.m. on a Sunday feels like an advertisement for depression medication. It does. Yeah. It's called it. Uh, yeah. Okay. The real right. dry mouth. <laughs> so my good this week, Evan Williams and the Brewers have had a lot of injuries to their staff, not staff rather, but their offense. They've been Willie Adams, who was just was just in high A, doing rehab stint, has I was a, I believe a concussion. But they've been just been getting guys left and right on the injury list, and they're still them going on. And Devin Williams has been I don't want to say if it's maybe perhaps quietly having a good year, but he's just been a rock for them. Especially because with all the injury, like you have the Cardinals coming, or excuse me, the Pirates still sticking around. That whole NL Central's funky, but Devin Williams continues to be rock steady. And so I, I, I know I love, I love, I love watching that guy pitch when I get an opportunity to. And uh, he's been a, a big time rock for him. So for the Brewers, and they need all the help they can get here, especially the, the horde off the Pirates. I can't believe I actually said that sentence. The Brewers are trying to hold off the Pirates. All right, so my bad is the Cleveland offense, and it was a great article in Bangrass, and this was something I wanted to point out because we saw Cleveland earlier this year, and usually when you see Jose Ramirez come to the plate, and he terrorizes Tiger pitching, and you, you usually will, and he wasn't as, I think he had a home run, but he hasn't, hasn't been the same, and we thought, and we talked about this, we thought with Josh Bell coming to Cleveland, that the offense would be, better and they have a wrc plus of 79 they're dead last in the league wow so as far as you took it in terms of their iso numbers by the way 116 also dead last in the league and this is addition to having bell on there so it has been in terms of like even having a league offer and they point you pointed us out in the article too they're actually worse then we're talking about Oakland. They're worse in Oakland and, and catcher, first base, right field, center field, and DH. Hmm. In terms of offense today. Wow. Outside of, yeah, there's Ramirez did hit three home runs. Today. I know that sounds weird that I was yes. mentioning them as my it, bad. It, I know. I know. I understand that. I was just saying, I was just looking at the live stats because I think they scored 10 runs and Ramirez got three home runs. So they now have a WRC plus of 82, which is oh no, not the better than Detroit at 80. Uh, oh, that's a. They Samuel still only have thirty nine home runs. They're they're dead last in home runs. Oh, in terms of uh, Sean asked in the YouTube chat, have there been an update about Austin Meadows lately? And no, there's not. There hasn't been an update. And blood, blood red. I gotta. Oh, or, no. uh, hold on, this is on. Such a long time. The the comment blood red said, "Fess up." This year, I've been betting on a Tiger's misfortune, doing very well. Tonight I was live betting and bet Lang would lose the game. You know what, man? That's what I was sharing the pain with us. Man, you gotta, you know what? Hey, God bless you, man. Yeah. <laughs> honestly, it's man, I, would, I would, I would, I would honestly. Fuck. I imagine you bet the under just about every night. You're going to do okay, but I don't know how yeah. game would work. But, but to Sean's point, like. All we've heard about, about about Austin Meadows is that he's there with the team. He's celebrating after they win. He's in the clubhouse. He's doing that stuff. But there's no word on on if and when he's going to get back to any sort of baseball activity. So, I think the sixty days is up technically already. But yeah, I don't know. Wow. 
Oh, there. Nice. Samuel, thank you for the $5 Canadian. Exquisite. Found out today that Samuel is a brew, beer's brew. So that's actually, oh. talk to Samuel about that offline sometime. Joe wants to know, will the Tigers get no hit this weekend? I, I have to see the pitching matchups. Let's see. Is that going on Sunday? Oh. oh, and my ugly, my ugly, and but the, my ugly this week is, and it's not necessarily, but a tip of the cap to Roger Craig, who passed away this week. Roger Craig was instrumental on developing the split figure fastball for Jack Morris and Dan Petrie, the 1984 Tigers World Series team. And ironically enough, he got that split finger knowledge from John Sane, who was the Tigers pitching coach. For the 68 team. So there's just kind of like the weird cross. Anyway. Symmetry. Yeah. Synergy. Exactly. But he just turns like you're looking at pictures that he taught. And this and Jake Jaffe did a fantastic article about it. But Roger Craig was one of those first names you hear as a, like when you're, you're playing baseball or you don't often coach, like pitching coaches don't like, you know, about Lee Mazzoni and, all those things, but you get older, you hear more of those names. And Roger Craig was one of those first names to go, who's Roger Craig? And ended up being a manager of the Giants, too. I think he managed the team in 80, when they went to the World Series in 89, I believe. Maybe? I'm not sure. Yeah, might have. I think he did. Oh, it, I remember having his baseball card. Oh, Sean, with the $2, thank you. Exquisite. What's a super sticker? I don't super know. sticker is, is, you can, yeah, you can do a super sticker, so... If we're in the chat, like there's a, like a, if you're in the YouTube chat, you'll see it in there. But uh, yeah, you know what? Andrew's, and I completely agree with Andrew on that. The bad is the lack of coverage from Craig's contribution to the 84 team. He did, he, Tigers pretty much owe him quite a bit. That, that was a, that was a staff that was, it, it really was, that carried the staff, carried, after he left, the staff really wasn't the same after that anyway. And yeah, he was part of the Giants pennant winning. And that was their first pennant-winning title, or excuse me, their first division. Was that their first one in San Francisco since the 60s, I believe? Was that the first one in San Francisco? When it was the World Series? No, that was their first World Series appearance in San Francisco, yeah. So he's responsible for a lot of good memories, and I think he should get a little more due than he had. I thought, and he posted this, J.J. Affey posted this really good tweet from Will Clark, who was with, who played with under Roger Craig. And uh, Hum Baby, my second dad and the man who taught me the game of baseball. It was a pleasure playing for such a great manager in person. Please make sure all the guys up there in heaven are gamers. All my best to your wonderful family. Will Clark. They show a picture from, from 86. And uh, yeah, that's just, again. He also wrote a book about his experience with the 84 Tigers. And it's called Inside Pitch. So worth checking out. Again, look at the article Jay Jaffe did. I think Jay Jaffe did a really fantastic job utilizing eulogizing him. Yeah. So that's my good, bad, and yoga for this week. Yeah. Questions? Yeah, we get any questions? I have a question. Yes. Joe, Joe Rizzo. We didn't touch on him. Do you guys have anything to add? You know what? I got, wait, I got something to add. I got something to add for that. Frank Rizzo. Yeah, Frank. I, you know, who, uh, can't find it now. Oh, who? I don't, Oh, that that was where you're at. Who? Yeah, I was gonna say who. I mean, oh, they, they Tiger signed somebody for depth. So I was saying, I I remember him 
from the draft that year, which was uh, all the way back in 2016, following the draft because he was considered one of the more, not projectable, but more like ready-made bats. People thought he was going to be an above-average hitter with above-average power. And he went in the second round, I think, and it just never materialized. He, he, he never hit, and he's a minor league free agent who didn't really do much of anything this year. We saw that they, they Toledo released Jermaine Palacios today. And so Rizzo basically replaces him as a, and they're pretty right-handed in Toledo. You got Lipsius as a right-handed hitter. Brendan Davis is a right-handed hitter. Corey Joyce is a right-handed hitter. I'm trying to think of the other. Ryan Kreider, if and when he comes back, is a right-handed hitter. They don't really have any left-handed infielders. So I think they're just fitting that. Now, there is a left-handed infielder that everybody wants to see in Toledo. He's an eerie. But sign in Rizzo might suggest that maybe that's not happening, at least right now. But yeah, it's, it's a, it's a mildly depth signing. It is odd. The Tigers, we were talking about this earlier. The Tigers just announce everything now on their PR account, which I'm fine with. It's, it's better than having to dig up and try to see stuff. And they're really doing a great job with those medical updates. I think those are, I don't know if other teams are doing those, but so there's a little bit more transparency in that regard. Still can't talk or interview to any of the coaches or find the GM anywhere or the president, but at least they're letting us know who they're acquiring and who's hurt. So. That's my thoughts on Rizzo. Yeah. And then I just have one more about Brady Allen, because I know he was acquired from the Tigers last month. Have you guys been paying attention to him down in the minors and how has he fared for the Tigers? He's he's been he's been all right. He had a couple of really good hit opposite field, a couple couple opposite field singles we or hits that he had that were pretty good, makes good contact, plays good defensively. Thought he was pretty good out there helping out compos. He's been a big help with the compos out there. Yeah. Tell me this. Jay Shung, hot streak, or has he turned to somewhat of a semi-corner? I think it was a hot streak. That's fair. I don't, it's just tough. It, he, he hasn't, he's had a couple of weeks like that this year. Now, none as good as that one, but he didn't do much of anything for us the other night. I think he got a single today. It's still just the same look where, where, you can get them with good fastballs up in the zone. And uh, I don't know. I, I, he just, he doesn't look like a particularly special prospect to me. I think he may eventually make his way to the big leagues, but I, I don't, I don't know. It, it, it just doesn't jump off the page when you see him. And look, I, I'm still, I, I think he plays his position well. He defensively. He, he does. He does. He has been making some of the hardest contact in West Michigan. He's hitting ball pretty well i might be a little higher on him outside of keith i think he might be the second best prospect in the system okay it's good to see a sign of life that's for sure as the weather warms up hopefully he will too tomorrow yeah and i just have one more it was about Tarek scuba we saw he made a rehab start were you guys thinking we could see him back up in the majors probably by next week at this point he's gonna be pitching tomorrow in west michigan i'm Trying not in the major, not in the majors next week. No, no, I meant like pitching regularly in the. You don't think he's getting the majors by next week? Scuba? He's pitching. No, no. Why? He pitched two innings in his first outing. He's probably go three tomorrow. He's probably got four or five more starts before they bring him up to the bigs. At some point, they'll put him in Toledo, right? Don't you think? For at least one. I think so. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think they were they were talking about basically treating this like it's spring training. So they're oh, they're ramping ramping okay. them up now. All right, then no, that, that makes more sense. I maybe I'm just too eager to see. Admittedly, I'm too eager to see him. I just because I always think of that. And they ever to go to West Michigan? They're pretty close. I mean, we saw Brisky yesterday. Brisky, by the way, 95, 94 consistently. Didn't throw a changeup at all, though. So it was basically fastball slider. You got a question in there real quick. Uh, Trey Cruz, a prospect on rise? Yes, absolutely. Trey Cruz has turned a corner. I, I wrote an article about him. And looking at the data, he's a completely different hitter. He, he's turned around for the better. He's hit with power. He's hit with your average. And I don't know. I, I, I think he's figured it out. He's decided he's got to be a part of the family business. <laughs> <laughs> His yeah, right. Go ahead, Chris. Well, I, I was just going to say, I, I think he has put himself back on the prospect map. We had taken him off our list because of the way he looked last year, but he made, Rahelio pointed out the adjustments he made. And I still think it's a relatively low ceiling. It's still probably a super utility player, but I think he'll probably be a big leaguer now as because he does, so we were looking at it yesterday. He's he's played primarily center field and shortstop this year, but also second base and third base. Mm-hmm. And he's done adequate work at all of them. Like, I, he's just fine in all those positions. I, I wouldn't want him playing shortstop every day or third base every day, I don't think. But second base and center field are just fine. He's hitting for power this year. He's always walked a lot. His average is fine. I don't think he's going to be a, a big average guy in the big leagues. But, yeah, he looks like a, a quality super utility guy. And that's more than we could say for him at the end of last year. Like, I, I thought he might, this might be it for him this year in the, in the organization. And he's swapped, in my mind, with, with Daniel Cabrera and Gage Workman, where I think that those guys need to come up with kind of a miracle over the last few months of the year to, to have a future in the organization. And, and Trent Cruz, I think, wouldn't be shocked at all if we see him in Toledo later in the year and, and maybe even in Detroit. Yeah, and by the way, Cabrera... Can we politely say this, Chris? I don't think we're going to be seeing him too much of him, more of him. He's on the development list, so unless they're working on something specific. Yeah, which we've, we've basically decided, it's not basically decided, it seems like the development list is essentially, you know, really good to. Kind of so he's going to be worse. selling State Farm Insurance in Baton Rouge here. That's <laughs> uh, you know, real estate, yeah. Okay. Yeah, same thing with, fortunately, Chance Kirby as well. Chance Kirby, yesterday we saw him pitch, and, and he immediately hit the developmental list. Today. I thought he voluntarily retired. I think he, he did retired. He, did he voluntarily retired? Is that what it was? That, yeah, that's oh, what. Oh, wow. I read that wrong, then. Wow. Yeah, he got shelled yet last night, and I guess in rehab starts. I'm yeah, it was, it was really unfortunate because we he was – Basically, the pitching, I think he was voted the pitcher MVP. It was not like a real award, but the Erie held an internal vote on who was the most important pitcher last year for them, and it was Chance Kirby. And he comes back this year, and he's back in Erie. Instead of in Toledo, and he's out of the bullpen. He's not pitching well. He gets hurt. He's rehabbing a little bit. I think he rehabbed a little bit in Lakeland and then up in West Michigan, and and he just didn't seem to have it, and it, it felt like... It wasn't the sort of thing where oh, I would be shocked if he retires tomorrow, but like in retrospect, you look at it and you go, man, I, I, I assume that he just, he was out there and he's, I don't want to do this anymore. Yeah. Didn't, and, didn't we say that last night though? This might be the, we actually, I, I would have swore on the way to the car, Chris, you go, this might have been one of the last times we'd see Chance Kirby pitch. Yeah, we did. We did say that, but I didn't, I didn't think he actually would retire, <laughs> uh, which is a bummer because 
he, I don't think he was a big league pitcher, but it, it's always uh, sad to see these guys just hang up to cleats. Yeah. I just have one more thing to add to Spencer Torkelson. We never really talked about him on the pot. He's hitting 091 in the month of June. Has 10 strikeouts, just two walks, has the home run, and then another single. So, yeah, we really didn't. I don't know why we didn't really talk about him. Maybe there's not because much. Because there's really talk. nothing. It's the same no, thing. It's just yeah. it's, He did have a good month of May. For his standards, he, he had a good month of May on the margins anyway, compared to who, but compared to his past work, he had a good month of May. He was driving some walks. That looked good. I think he benefited from having Riley Green on base in front of him a lot. I think he's seeing one of the guys who's seen guys in the windup all the time right now. He's not seeing the ball well, but hopefully it's just a slump. We're only a week into June. It's not like the end of the world. Uh, if he has a hot week, then it's all forgotten, but yeah, he looks, he looks like a rusty gate right now. There's no question. Rusty gate. Like yeah, swinging like a rusty gate. I've never heard that term before. <laughs> swinging yeah, like it, a rusty gate. No, I, I, he, he just remains utterly mystifying to me. Because everybody, we can all point out, like the, the stat cast sliders look great, other than his defense. But then he goes out there and it, it just doesn't happen. And that's why I was just looking. So yeah, it was a 123 WRC plus in May, which is would be totally acceptable. If he did that for a whole season, that would be great. But it was 57 in, in April, and it's 23 right now for today when he went, what, over four with three strikeouts? Yeah. Or, or worse. It still is just basically a full season's worth of plate appearances, 650 at-bats, I think, 650 plate appearances. But yeah, I, I just, I, I don't, I've talked about this before, but I, I struggle to see it just doesn't seem like he makes quick adjustments. But I do think you you point, and I'm, I'm generally not a, a big believer in like the idea of, of lineup protection or whatever, but I do think, and it may just be a feel when, when Riley Green is there and he's on base, he's doing this thing that Torque wants to, it's, it's just slightly more zoned in and, and, and doing a little bit more damage. But I, I even looked at his, so I don't know what his line is on the year now. It's like probably 220. But I looked at, okay, what, what if, what if he actually were hitting to his expected stats, which were like 260 and ex expected slugging was like 430. He still would only have five home runs, according to uh, baseball savant. So basically he would be Alec Bohm instead of Spencer Torkelson. And that's like a 97 WRC plus. It's better than what he's been, but it's still not what the Tigers need from him. I'm I a troubled. And I wasn't really that troubled going into this year, but now even through the good month of May, when he was hitting the ball pretty well, the lack of the home run power really is troubling to me. He's, he's, he's looking like a gap hitter. He's hitting hard ground balls and hard line drives, but just not elevating and putting it into the seats. And he should be. That's, that's why they got him. That's the position he plays. That's where he's batting. And boy, I just struggle to see in my mind, envisioning where that power is going to come from right now with the swing he has and, and, and how he's been producing. He looks like, and I called him that what, two weeks ago, a low average John Olerud. And that's not going to cut it. I don't know point, who that player is. At this point, I really, Sartre Ruckelson goes, I see, like, I saw that upswing in May, and I'm like, okay, all right, cool. And then I just, I feel like other players just have passed by. And you know what? Look, and Andrew and Jacob both had some really good points about let's start the Japanese pipeline. 
anything. Look, something. That would be great. You do need those players to agree to come to your team. Yeah. Also, Murakami is not eligible probably until 2026. He's only 23 right now. It depends. Sometimes it depends on what team you're with. It would be great if the Tigers just started doling out a bunch of money to Japanese players. Or I'd love to see them pay for hitters everywhere. But I know there's certain realities that don't. We've seen the vast majority of Asian players end up on the coasts. Yeah. You've had some, there's, there's a connection in Pittsburgh. And you Darvish went to the Rangers, but that was back when you just had to outbid everybody. Yeah. It's different now. So I, who knows? Maybe the Tigers can become that team, but I, I'm not holding my breath on that one. Yeah. There's, there's no established relationships they have going on right now outside of the LSU connections gone. We joke about that podcast and that joke was that Al Avila was friends with the manager from LSU. And so anytime the LSU manager, the former LSU manager, Drawing a blank on his name at the moment would suggest them drafting a player. Avila would pretty much do it. Uh, Damn, Camaro. So Paul something, right? What is it? Paul Maneri. Yeah, Paul Maneri. There you go. Dude. So at that rate, I think we're. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for everybody who's participated in our YouTube chat. By the way, I want to thank everybody. May was our best downloaded number in podcast history so we've been doing this now for chris and i've been doing this for seven years and last month was our best month nice. thank you honestly thank you it means a lot and we really really appreciate it and same thing with the youtube numbers youtube numbers our stat our statistician dollars been telling us they've been doing pretty well and everybody on twitter and by the way so funny when john john majority of the time runs our twitter account and i get some people who go why'd you guys treat them it, it's called engagement so certain things we may, if you listen to us and you know the podcast well enough, sometimes it's not us. Sometimes it causes a conversation. That's that's what how Twitter works. <laughs> yes. and shout out, yeah. shout out to Cameron too, because I've, I've he does a lot of good work, and I don't want him to feel like he's ever left. Oh no, no, Cameron, Ka- look, Cameron, I, I've I've told I'll say this once, I'll say it again. Cameron is a low key like assassin. Like he just does, uh, he does really good work. And he's not like, Street. Yeah, he will good argue, work. and he will he'll take on Mark Gurashes and and those people in the world on Twitter. <laughs> and he doesn't care. Cameron, it's just like he's stone cold face out. Everything he talks about on camera, he's and oh, I, I love Cameron, and he does such a great job on that account. So shout out to him. I asked him if he wanted to do draft coverage. We'll see. But uh, yeah, speaking of the draft. Join us July 9th. We're going to have a, so we're going to be doing, so I want to explain this real quick before we get out of here. We're going to be doing a pre-draft show starting at 630. So Youper and John will be on beforehand. They're going to be recapping the season, all that stuff. And then the big draft show starting at seven o'clock as we're going to have Trevor Huth. We're going to have Reese Weiss or Reese White. We're going to have maybe Brian Sikowski. Maybe I'm going to see if I can get him on there. But we're going to have a great, great show lined up for the all-star game or excuse me for it's gonna be the all-star break technically so <laughs> true but uh mlb draft show sunday july 9th starting at 6 30 so we're gonna be it's gonna be here we're gonna do this part of mineral city metrics and then we're gonna do the rest over tagging on my report i'm still figuring that out but thank you everybody thank you. alex andrew obk tyler andrew and chris shout out to chris there great insight on the outfield death by the way <laughs> chris one field depth? What I was like, are you talking to me? So yeah. I was, oh, yeah. I, I, I decided to look up when the Futures game was because 
couple of years ago, I remember it was with the draft show and also the futures game with Torque and Riley Green in it. We're like, we got it. Oh, and it was a bummer. Thank you, Blood Ring, everybody. We'll see you possibly on Sunday, maybe Monday, the second show. Or actually, join us Sunday night for the Tiger Mind Report podcast starting at 8.30, 9 o'clock. Until then, have a great night, everybody.